All right, so we're going to be in 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 11 today as we continue in our series, um, Sick of This, <laughs> How to Stay Awake, How to Stay Woke in a Weak World. Uh, today's service, today's message I entitled, Made for Something Great, and we're going to talk about self-reliance versus God-reliance. And I don't know about you, but as of today, uh, most of the things that we've been relying on in this world have kind of been knocked out from under us, haven't they? Uh, for some of us, more than others, whether it's economy, money, sports, job, career, freedom, even the things that we want aren't often available in the way they once were. And I know uh, since we've lived here for the last two years, we've really, really enjoyed the fact that you can often order stuff from Amazon and get it the next day which is weird. You order it at night and it comes like in the afternoon the next day. And I love that. That hasn't been the case lately, <laughs> right? Uh, stuff comes later and it comes later. Um, even the things we want maybe uh, aren't available at all in the quantity we wanted, in the availability, in the speed. But God hasn't moved. God hasn't changed. In spite of the fact that all the things maybe we were relying on have been knocked out from under us, uh, He hasn't changed. And maybe He wants to use this to get our attention. Maybe he can use this to get our attention. Uh, maybe uh, he wants us to realize we're made for something great. And maybe we've just been settling for okay. And possibly maybe he's allowed these things to be knocked out from under us in order that we have an opportunity to see what's true and what's real and turn and rely upon Him and Him alone instead of on ourselves and on the things that are propping us up. Could that be what's happening? I think it is. I think it is. Let's take a look at 2 Corinthians, get our text for today, and see if we can find something better to live for. We're going to be reading 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 11, and it says this, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, reminder here quickly, this is Paul speaking, talking about past experiences, and he says this, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivers us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope that He will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayer of many. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we unpack this passage today, I pray that you speak to our hearts. Challenge us to be great, not for our own selves and not for our own purposes, but great for you. And Lord, realize maybe that these things that have been knocked out from under us were hindering us all along. And allow us, Lord, to see you and look to you, to fix our eyes upon you, to set our hope upon you today, Jesus. Lord, we pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So I'm going to take these passages, we're just going to unpack this passage, we're going to go verse by verse, kind of unpack it today. Uh, so I want to read verse 8 again here, it says, We do not want you to be unaware, brothers, Paul says, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. We were utterly burdened beyond our strength so that we despaired of life itself. You notice Paul doesn't 
take any time to mention what the problems were. He doesn't talk about what the issues were. Uh, He has in other places in Scripture explained in Acts and in some of the other books that he wrote, uh, you you hear about some of the things that he suffered uh, and went through and, and experienced along the way. But here at this moment, he doesn't say what they were. It's possible that the readers knew what they were, but we don't know what they are. His purpose then was to point to God, not to say, here are the things, and sometimes isn't it like that? Somebody asks us to pray for them, and they say, hey, here's a prayer request, and you're like, ooh, I want to hear the juicy gossip. Any, anybody ever done that, right? I want to hear what's going on, and, I'll, and, and, and often enough, it's enough for somebody to just say, will you pray for me without the juicy gossip bits? So Paul's leaving out the juicy gossip bits, and he's just saying, We don't want you to be uninformed, sisters and brothers, about what happened to us because we experienced something that was so devastating that we despaired of our own lives. It's his purpose here to point to something more important than personal storytelling. He wants to, to, if you will, pull back the curtain and say, look, there's a divine hand uh, on on this and, and the experiences and the challenges of our life are being orchestrated by a divine hand, and he wants us to see those things happening. So have you ever felt the way Paul's feeling? Here's some of the things he said. He was under great pressure. Anybody? <laughs> right? Uh, pressed beyond your ability to endure. Maybe some of you are beginning to feel that way in this situation uh, where, where, where there's no job and there's no money, and, and it feels like things are pressing in on you. Have, have any of you despaired of life itself? I don't think... Paul was saying he flirted with ideas of suicide. I don't think that's what he's saying, but I think that he felt as though death would be a welcome escape from the pressures that were on him. And he even went so far as to say he felt as if he had received in his life a sentence of death. The fact is, it's not important for us to know what's causing you to feel that way today. Paul reveals that if the answer is yes, Find God. The Paul saying, hey, this was my experience, and when I experienced it, I looked to the Father. It happens in life that these things come so that we will learn an invaluable lesson that this life is not about you, and this life is not about me. It's not about what we can do, what we can feel, what we can accomplish in our own power, and if it's not, what is it about? Let's look at verse 9. Paul says, And this is where he pulls the curtain back. This happened that we might not rely upon ourselves, but instead upon a father, a God, a creator who has the power to raise from the dead. So what are you relying on today? What are you relying on today? Pull the curtain back (laughs) as Paul did and look what's back there. It, It could be a lot of different things. It could be a lot of garbage. Some of that stuff's been knocked out, right? We can't look back there and say, okay, I'm relying on sports, on the next sports fix. Uh, I'm relying on the next whatever. Uh, A lot of that stuff's been knocked away. I'm waiting for the next vacation. I'm relying on this whatever. Uh, Drinking, drugs, alcohol. There, There could be so many things back there behind the curtain. Money, job, family, home, position, authority, power. Paul says, pull that curtain back and see what's there. And when you do, 
does it look different now? <laughs> you pull the curtain back, and there's a lot of things that you were relying on, but they're just laying on the ground now. They've been knocked out. They've been, they've been knocked out from under you. I'm hoping and I'm praying that when you do that, you look back and you say, these things are less important to me now. Um, I have to admit, I was disappointed. Uh, we watched, um, we have cable. Uh, well, it's like an internet-based cable. But I was really happy that it was going to have Marquee Channel. And we were watching like all of the spring training games for the Cubs. And I was like, this is going to be fun. And we're going to get to watch all the games, every game, you know, either there. And I think some of the networks were going to carry in. But we had channels that carried every game. And we were like, I'm going to get to watch every game this year. Guess how many games I've watched lately, right? Zero. None. It was disappointing. I'm not saying that that was something that was a crutch to me or something I was relying on. But I was looking forward to it. What are the things that you were thinking on, you were, you were perhaps maybe placing a little more emphasis on than you should have, that have been stripped away? Whatever those things are, the most important lesson you can learn is the lesson that Paul learned, and he wants to pass this on to you. These things happen, he says, in order that we might not rely upon ourselves, but upon God who raises the dead. Proverbs 14, 12 says this, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, that way leads to death. We, we think we have stuff figured out, and we think we know which way to go, and we think we, we, we've got the career and the job and the journey and the path, and everything is fixed, and, and we know our heading, uh, and then stuff like this happens, and we realize <laughs> that the, the, the things we had figured out aren't figured out at all, because the way that seems right to us can lead to death. The way that seems right to a man will end in death. When we decide that we know better than God, it's a sure recipe for disaster. Remember that. When you, if you ever get that thought, I think I know better than God, that's a problem. That's an issue. All you have to do is go back and read about the lives of Adam and Eve and see how self-reliance led to a way that, that, that led them to crash, uh, a, a ruinous life, uh, a disastrous result. All right, let's take a look at verse 10. Paul continues, and it says, This God, He has, has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us again. We don't know the peril again that He speaks of. We're not sure what that is. But we can trust God to act in the future the way He has acted in the past. And that's what Paul's saying. God has delivered us in the past. He will deliver us again. Uh, God doesn't change. God is unchanging. We can trust God to act the same way in the future that he has acted in the past. Paul remembers that God has moved in his own past to deliver him from disaster, and so he is relying upon God to move in the same way again. You and I can trust God in the same way. Now, a, a little note for a future message that's coming up in the next couple of weeks. What happens when we expect God to do something and, uh, and we hope that God will do something and He doesn't? How do we handle that disappointment? Uh, just a little, little pin in that. Be thinking about that. Uh, that'll be coming up in a future message in the next couple of weeks because sometimes things don't work out the way we think they do. Uh, and, 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 but today, we're talking about what Paul's talking about here. Hebrews 13, 8 says... Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and, and forever. This is a great promise if you think about it. 
What do you know that is the same yesterday, last month, or last year? (laughs) We used to be able to say some things were the same, and now almost nothing is the same. Uh, and, And it changes day by day. Things get older. Things get used up. I got older this week. Uh, I get older every day, but, but, but it, I had a birthday, and so you know, I, 51 to 52 was a, was a big step. Life is about change, and the pace of change only picks up as you get older. Never slower, only faster. Everything gets old. Everything gets worn out. Everything gets used up. But God, as revealed in Christ, is always the same He's stable, he's centered, he's foundational, he's unmoving. He can be relied upon in a way that nothing else can. He's cared for us in the past, he will care for us today, and he will care for us in the future. Verse 10 and 11 talk about we're heading in now to where we're really going to camp out. Verse 10 and 11, uh, at least the beginning of 11, says this, On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Now, there's two things I want to hit here. First, Paul explains that his hope is set on one thing and one thing alone, and that's God. On him, we have set our hope. We set our hope upon God. Where is your hope set today? This is a question I just, I just want to ask you that as you think about that. Where is your hope set? When you pull back the curtain and everything is in disarray and it's wrecked, I hope it's not too bad of a wreck back there. I hope when you pull back the curtain, it looks more like Paul's where he says, you know, the God, the Father's here and, and, and he's leading us in these hard times. But what's back there? Paul is employing here some navigation speak, I, I call it, when he uses the word set. On him, we have set our hope, as in the phrase set course. I was super interested in this idea, uh, and I, I got real excited about looking at, at setting course and navigation, and navigation is hard. Even with GPS, navigation is hard, but you can imagine in the times before GPS how complicated it would have been, and so as you can imagine with most things, it's true that they're more complicated when you look closely at them. Uh, you think a, a ship leaves harbor in San Francisco, and it goes to, say, uh, Tokyo or somewhere, and it's like, no problem right? GPS, they just, they just go. Uh, it, 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 it's still complicated, and it used to be a lot more complicated. And here are some of the things you have to account for when you navigate a ship. There's a lot of them. First of all, you have to take into account which direction is true north. And, and this is interesting. True north is, is a place that nothing points to. You have to use all kinds of other means to find true north. Heading, that's the direction that the vessel is pointed. You have to take into account heading. You have to take into account magnetic north, which differs from true north because of magnetic variation. You also have to take into account compass north. North, That's the way a compass points. But compasses have a two-part error, which I didn't know this. One of them is magnetic variation, and the other one is the magnetic field of the vessel you're in. Okay, so that's magnetic deviation and magnetic variation. Then you've got compass heading uh, or compass course before the correction of the magnetic deviation and the magnetic variation. Then you have magnetic heading, which is the compass heading that's been corrected for magnetic deviation, but not magnetic variation. 
thus heading relative to magnetic north. And some of you are going, oh my gosh, it's complicated. And then on top of that, you have to account for wind and current. And these things are called drift. These are things that have to be accounted for when you're setting or, or fixing your hope on something. When I read this, I was struck, and I hope you were too, about some of the spiritual parallels on this list. So I kind of want to unpack these. Because Paul says, on him we have set our hope. In other words, we've set course on God. And that sounds easy. And in church, you hear pastors and you hear people and you, you, you hear people say, follow God, look to God, look to, look to, look to God and follow him. Uh, and, and we make it sound easy. But a navigator needs to know where they are and whether or not they're headed in the right direction. And when they need to know this, they take what's called a positional fix or a navigational fix. And I'm going to challenge you today to take a positional fix or a navigational fix. In other words, where am I and where am I going? They use tools such as maps, surroundings, including stars, landmarks, and the sun to fix their position so they know if they are on course. And, and let's take a look at Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Get a little bit of insight here. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to the Father, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Fixing our eyes, looking to Jesus, can be also understood as fixing our eyes on Jesus. Verse 2, let us run the race of perseverance, a race marked out for us, fixing our eyes upon Jesus, looking to Jesus. So I want you to, to, to take a positional fix this morning, if you will. Have you taken into account for these things? First of all, you're heading. Which way are you pointed? When, when a navigator sits down and they're going to say, okay, where are we going? The very first thing they do is they figure out which direction the ship is actually going. So that's your first step. Where are you pointed? To do this, you have to take fearless, personal stock of yourself. Pull back the curtain. Look at your life and the direction you're really headed. This is where you're actually headed as opposed to where you want to head or should head. These may not be and probably are not the same thing. You may be telling yourself, I'm headed true north towards the Father. When in reality, because of some magnetic deviation or something else we're going to get to in a minute, you're off course. Ask the Father and seek the Father Am I following you? Am I looking to you? Am I fixing my, 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 my course and setting my compass upon you? Now, to do that, we need to know the direction of true north. And remember, there, there are ways to find true north, but there's no tool where you can pick up and hold in your hand and look at it and it says, hey, this is true north. Um, this is where this metaphor falls apart a little bit because we've got a tool to find true north. We've got a tool to find the Father. God the Father has given us a Bible, the Word of God that illuminates the path and the journey of the believer and reveals the one true Father and the direction to Him. This 
is what our course must be set on. In order to set our course upon the Father, we have to know what the Father has said. And in order to know what the Father has said, we have to read the Word. So find the direction of true north in Scripture and begin to set the course of your life on that direction. Now there's some things we have to account for. Spiritual drift. I told you when a ship's going, they've got wind. If you've ever been in a big vehicle or on a boat and you're trying to go a direction, the wind, even if you don't have a sailboat, the wind will move You've been in the car on a highway in a windy day, you know that a gust of wind will move your car. It's the same with a ship. In navigation speak, these are influences of current, of wind, uh, of waves, and they cause you to drift off course. For us, the wind and the waves are culture. They're culture. They're the things around us, the effects of culture that drive us off course. And the funny thing about drift is you don't have to be off very much to be off a great deal at the end. You can be off one degree, maybe even half a degree or, or a tenth of degree, right? You can be off very, very little. And, 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 and in a mile, you're, you're not off a lot. In fact, you may even be able to see the point to where you should be to be on track. But at 10 miles, 100 miles, 1,000 miles, you can be off a great distance. And spiritual drift does the very same things in our life. We think... We're fixed on the Father. We think we have set our course on true north, that the Father, the life giver, uh, the creator of all things is, is the direction we're heading, but because of some cultural drift or something we're believing or thinking or doing, we're, we're off just a little bit. And the longer we fail to correct for drift, the further off course we become over time. One of the things that, that, that tends to to cause that drift to happen is what I'm going to call misplaced affections. In other words, we're loving the wrong things. We're, in, instead of loving the Father and loving the Word and loving the fellowship and loving the brothers and sisters and loving our calling, which is to go and make disciples and teach them all things and baptize them, instead of loving those things, we're loving something else. Our affections are misplaced. We're loving things in our culture. We're loving sports. <laughs> We're loving uh, whatever. Fill in the blank. You know the thing that you're loving that is causing spiritual drift in your life and is taking you off course. Now, there's also deviations. Remember, if you're trying to find north, there's magnetic deviation and there's, um, there's, there's these mistakes that, that come in. These things are things that are steering the course of our life away from the life giver and towards death. And these things are called sin. These are, the, the spiritual drift stuff is stuff we can accidentally find ourselves in. Because we live in a culture that says a lot of things and we listen to it and we watch TV and we listen to music and we watch the news and little cultural things cause some drift. We can correct for those when we compare them to Scripture. Sin are things that, that these are not drift issues. <laughs> these are things like true north is that way and my sin is that way and that's the way I'm walking. Or my sin is that way and I'm going 180 degrees away. Sin are, th th these deviations of course are, are choices that I'm making. They're not simply misplaced affections. Um, they're not things that I've I've stumbled into because I live in a world that's broken and, uh, and, and a little bit of it's rubbed off. These are things where I've made conscious decisions. Instead of following the Father, at this point, I'm going to go this way. 
I, as Adam and Eve, have decided I'm going to take things into my own hand and I'm going to go that way. True north is that way, but I'm going to go over here. So we have spiritual drift issues that cause these little, little wavers. And, 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 and spiritual drift can lead to deviation. If we don't continually redirect those little, those little spiritual drift issues, they can become sin over time, and, and they, can, they can cause us to find ourselves completely off course and adrift. We're valuing the wrong things. You remember, spiritual drift was loving the wrong things. Deviations, of course, and sin are valuing them. They're saying, okay, I'm not just, I, I really like that, and so I'm going to do it. Uh, I'm going I'm to flirt with it a little bit. What I'm talking about is I have adopted this. This, this sin, this, this value, this self-gratification, this self-reliance, I've adopted this, and now this is, this is one of the values that steers my life. I've got, I'm, I'm trying to follow God, but I also have this. Do you see the problem with that? Now, taking all of that into account, there's still more. Uh, navigators make mistakes in setting course. There are errors in direction that are introduced into the equation because, this is interesting, I didn't know this, the ship itself gives off a magnetic, it, it actually affects how compasses read. So if you were in the ocean, um, just floating in the water and you looked at a compass, and you were on a boat and you've looked at the compass, they would give you slightly different re readings. These are magnetic variations because the ship's made of metal. And the metal affects the way the compass interprets the magnetism that it uses to find out which way magnetic north is. For you and I, these are representative of errors that we introduce into the equation. Um, <laughs> these are the mistakes that we make in our course study navigation. One of them is attitude. Attitude. We're discouraged. We're relying on ourselves. Our feelings steer the ship. Anybody ever done that? <laughs> Oh, that's dangerous. You let the feelings steer the ship, you are in trouble. You're in trouble. Uh, the heart, uh, I, didn't, I didn't look this scripture up, but it, but it just occurs to me, this is, the heart is sick. <laughs> and when we let the feelings steer the ship, we are in trouble. That is, a, that is a navigational error that the navigator makes in introducing uh, bad information into the equation. If our feelings steer the ship, the course of our life is directed how we feel versus the reality of, of who God is. Um, I, I, I call this feeling life. So you've got to get in touch with your feeling life. What am I feeling? What am I thinking? What are my attitudes? Um, we all have bad attitudes from time to time. Uh, yesterday was my birthday. I had a bad attitude yesterday. Believe it or not. I, I don't know why. I just did. It kind of messed up my birthday a little bit. It, it was my fault. Um, because I had a bad attitude. I was like, well, I wanted to go out to dinner, and I wanted to do this, and I was, you know, I was ticked off. I had to stay home, and everybody else's attitudes were affected by mine, and they were affected by their stuff, and it was just, it was a fun day. It, it turned out okay. It, it ended up all right, but we can let attitude really, um, really steer the ship if we're not careful and our feelings will take things in a direction that we shouldn't be going. Another, course, uh, error kind of issue that we can let in is thinking. 
So I, I talked about feeling. We have a feeling life, and we need to get in touch with our feeling life and, and, and allow the Father to, to, to point out to us, are my feelings steering the ship? We also need to allow him to, uh, to look into and call into account our thinking, and I call this thought life because bad thinking leads to poor decision-making. Anybody ever done that? You've made bad decisions <laughs> because uh, you had bad thinking. Okay, so we've got these things that we've, we've lined out. Spiritual drift, the direction of true north, mistakes in course and attitude and thinking. What does it look like then to set a correct course? Because all of that's interesting, but how does it apply to setting a correct course? To do that, we're going to read the scripture that Kevin read earlier again, Proverbs 3, 1 through 8. And we're going we're gonna to ask scripture to help us set our course. So I'm going to read this again, Proverbs 3, 1 through 8. It says, My son, do not forget my teaching. Listen carefully, but let your heart keep my commandments for the length of days and years of life and the peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Listen, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's feeling. That's feeling life. And lean not on your own understanding. That's thought life. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And guess what he will do? He will make straight your path. We're talking about navigating. If you set your thoughts and your heart and your sights on the Father, he will make straight your paths. Wow, what a promise. Be not wise in your, old eye, in your own eyes, or your old eyes. I have those today. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Look to the Father. Allow Him to, to harness your feeling life and your thought life by, by, by focusing those things on Him. Instead of trying to feel our way through life with good feelings of stuff that we're putting in from the world, and instead of faulty thinking that we're, we're adopting from the world, find favor and good success in the sight of God and man by trusting in the Lord with all your heart, and leaning not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and the Father will lead you in the direction of Him. The second thing that he points out here in this passage, we're still on, um, boy, this was a big section, 10 and 11, is this. Paul asserts that there's a vital connection in the delivery from peril that we experience at the hand of the Father and the fact that we're praying. Are you praying? Are you interceding, not only for others, but for yourself? Do not forget, we can talk to the Father and seek His guidance at any time. The navigator is not in charge of the direction of the ship. The navigator gets his orders from somebody else. Who is it? The captain. The captain of the ship sets the direction. The captain of the ship says, we're going to go this way. That's the Father. The navigator doesn't decide where to go. The navigator only takes the directions that the captain gives him and then figures out how to get there using the course calculations of all the different variations and compasses and sights and everything around him. In the same way, 
we have to do this. In the same way, we look to the Father, and we listen to Him through His Word, and we determine this is where the Father is saying to go, and he, we, we take our direction of direction from Him, and then we go, and then we figure out how to get there, and then we make these corrections in our heading and in our spiritual drift, and we ask for forgiveness from sin, and we invite the Father to direct not only our heart but our mind so that we understand Him, and we feel correctly. Don't forget this. This is important. Stay connected to the Father in prayer. If you're setting a course without asking the Father where to go, then your course is wrong. Just that's that's simple as Paul could put it. Verse 11. We're, we're getting close to wrapping this up. It says, Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. All of these things result in thanksgiving. When people see how God moves and delivers and saves and protects and adjusts and and corrects, we don't like that, but he does, they will praise the Father by giving thanks. Thanksgiving is course correction. It corrects for our mistakes. I asked some of you uh, this week, in fact, I sent a thing out and I said, hey, here's some video ideas, and I only got one back. Of all the three or four or five questions I asked, I got one person wrote it back. Thank you, Caitlin Mendak. Uh, we're going to watch her video here real quick and see what Thanksgiving looks like. Hello. Thank you, Caitlin. Thank you. You get, the, you get the gold star today, but you have to throw the gold star at the crowns of Jesus. You know, you got it. So you get it, but then you have to offer it up to God. Um, Thanksgiving... I've never thought about it that way, but, but Thanksgiving really is a way of correcting our course. Because if we have to give thanks for something, then we are thinking the way the Father thinks. And we're feeling the way the Father feels about something. And He uses our Thanksgiving to actually change our hearts and change our minds. And so there's something beautiful about Thanksgiving in that way. Uh, and I love the fact that Thanksgiving corrects our thinking. I want to close by reading out of Second Corinthians again. That was the passage we were in today. But I want to flip forward a couple chapters to chapter 4. Because Paul has a little bit more about this subject to say. And I want to just read this and let his words wash over us. And then I want to challenge you to take this passage this week. It's going to be... 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 18, and think about this. Uh, Unpack this this week with yourself, with your family, with your friends, uh, with whoever you're around. Let Paul's words be a blessing to you. Let his words correct your course. Let them uh, guide you and direct you to set your course and set your hope on the Father, to fix your eyes upon Jesus in the week to come. So let's read this together and see what it says. 2 Corinthians 4, starting in verse 7, Paul says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. He's talking about our bodies because we're in in this imagery, we're, we're jars of clay. But we have this treasure in jars of clay, which are breakable, fragile, right? To show that the surpassing power belongs to God, not us. We're frail. He's not. We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, 
but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and brings us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that grace extends to more and more people as it, in, as it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. And then he says, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is renewed and is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Remember I told you when we were talking about navigating that there's nothing that points to the true north. We do have scripture that points to the Father, but it's unseen. He's unseen. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are unseen. When we look to things that are unseen, it says here, they are eternal. Do not lose heart. Lord, teach us not to rely upon ourselves. Lord, teach us not to, 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 to set our course on what is seen or what we can figure out or what we think is the best way to do something. Weighing some different options and then deciding, I think this is the best way to go. Lord, teach us to fix our eyes upon you, the true north, the life giver, the creator God. Let us fix our eyes and set our hope upon you. Lord, steer and direct our lives. I'm just going to invite you, if you want to sing this with me, you can sing, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Because I think this song really encapsulates Paul's call to fix our eyes upon that which is unseen and find the Father. O oh soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior. And life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. Father, I pray we fix our eyes upon you. The author, the perfecter of my faith, of our faith. 
Lord, that we may learn to rely and to seek and to fix our eyes and our hope upon that which is unseen versus that what, which we can see. But to do that, Father, we have to have a vital connection to you. And so, Lord, maybe there's people listening today and they haven't ever made that vital connection to you today, Lord, and they can do that just simply by asking you, Lord Jesus Christ, save me from my sin. Save me from my heart. Save me from my mind, from my thoughts, from my evil ways, from my sin. Lord, forgive me of those things. Correct my course. That's what the word repentance is, right, Lord? We, we use that word repentance, and, and it sounds churchy and Christian-y, Lord, but the word repent, Lord, just means correct my course. So, Lord, we ask you uh, in repentance to forgive us today, Lord. And, that, and, and anybody who's never done that, Lord, they just go to you and say, Lord, I repent of my course. It's the wrong direction. Lord, I want to fix my eyes upon you. Lord, we know Scripture says if anyone calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and believes that you raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So, Lord, I pray that, 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 that if there's anybody today who's not sure, they just call on your name, believing that you raised your son, Jesus Christ, from the dead to cover their sins, to cover my sins, to cover our sins. Lord, they'll be made new. Their course will be corrected. And their eyes will be fixed. And their course will be fixed. And their hope will be set upon you. And Lord, for those of us who maybe we're, we've got some deviation going on, we've got some sin going on, Lord, maybe, we, maybe, maybe, it's, not, uh, maybe it's not deviation, but maybe it's just some minor stuff. Maybe it's, it's a, a little bit of spiritual drift. Whatever it is, Lord, whether it's flat out full on sin or spiritual drift in our culture, Lord, I pray that you will write that, that you will correct that, that you will bring us about I love the, the navigational terms, God. Bring our heading about and face and focus us upon you as we turn our eyes upon you. Correct our hearts. Correct our feeling life, that we feel the things you feel. Correct our thought life, Lord, that we think the things you think. Correct our vision so that we see the things you see. Lord, use this time when everything's knocked out from under us to call us into account and to, to, to correct our direction. That together, and I love, God, this all fits with what Jesus teaches about unity, that we as a body of Christ locally in this church be one and be walking in the same direction because we've all set the same course. We've all charted the same, uh, the same journey. We've all set our hope upon you. We've turned our eyes upon Jesus. And Lord, as one, the body of Christ in Elmwood Park walks the same direction. And Lord, when you can do that in a church, when you can do that in the hearts of 30 or 50 or 100 or 200 or 1,000, how many ever people there are in a given church, when you can do that, you can do something amazing. 
for your glory and for your honor. And Lord, we ask you do that in our lives and in our church. Our little C local church in Elmwood Park. That as we all take these things from Scripture to heart and we pull back the curtain and we ask for you to inspect and correct, Lord, that when we do, we chart our hope upon you and as one, we walk towards you. And I'm excited to see what you're going to do with that. Lord, we love you. And again, we honor you because you are to be honored above all things. And we pray in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, today. Amen.